Wake up in the morning, make you two sloppy eggs. Find a piece of cheese and put it on some bread. Have a cup of joe, and the next thing that you know, it's time for you to hit the road. Make my day, I like it in the morning. Make my day, and even in the afternoon. Make my day, sometimes in the evening. Make my day, and even when I'm sleeping too. Make my. All right, everybody, welcome back to Make My Day. I'm your host, Marcus Brown, and I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, today, we have Aaron Limke on the show. He is the chief creative officer of Wave. They produce virtual reality concerts where you can go and watch the concerts, uh, lots of different performers. It's a lot of fun. It's really cool. We talk about it in this interview. I'm happy to have him on. It was a great interview. Talk about a lot of different stuff, including technology, which you need in order to use VR, um, and as well as the future. Just a lot of stuff coming up in the future for sure. Uh, things going on in the present, Facebook and Instagram are down as of yesterday and back up as of yesterday as well. Uh, so that's weird. I um, I didn't research it, but I would do some conjecturing and say it has a little bit to do with probably with this whistleblower, Francis Hagen, hogging all the info that she's about to blow the whistle on. And that I saw uh, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, Instagram today. He's He was fencing. So he's on the fence about whether this is going to be a good thing for the company long-term or a bad thing. You got to think about these CEOs. They're always kind of playing mind games, kind of kind of trying to do you, do you, you read between the lines if you want to be a real news guy. But yeah, we got a great show for you today. Talk a little bit about the responsibilities of dog ownership, how you can handle that, how you can get a little better at that, because uh, you don't want your dog to do uh, things you don't want your dog to do. You don't want your dog to do things you don't want your dog to do. I know that's true, and you know it's true as well. So you're gonna want to listen to that. We got a couple sports uh, things coming up. We'll probably take some calls, uh, but yeah, why don't we go ahead and hit some sports? Texas Longhorns face off against the Oklahoma Sooners in the Red River Rivalry. Try saying that one time fast. Uh, in Dallas, Texas, it's going to be a great one. I predict Texas wins by 22 points. That is what I predict. Uh, Tom Brady faced off against uh, the Bill Belichick Patriots without Tom Brady for the first time. Don't have the score handy, but I know it was an emotional match for him to come home to Boston, Massachusetts, Foxborough. All right, guys, let's take a quick message from our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Blazer Tag, the largest Texas laser tagging place that they have in Texas. Experience the adventure of Blazer Tag. Try a fast paced challenge, create laughter and memories as well. Get away to an exciting, fun filled atmosphere where the largest laser tag arena in Texas, Blazer Tag. We are family-owned, locally-owned entertainment center in the heart of Austin. It's actually really more South Austin, but it's a great time. Haven't been in, in maybe 15 years, uh, but I'm every time I drive by it on the highway, I think about it, and uh, I hope you guys give it a shot. Well, as promised, here's a couple quick tips on how to be a better dog owner. Uh, the first one that I would give you would be to make sure your dog doesn't run away. If, you, if your dog runs away, you're not going to have a dog. That's the first step about that step. 
Uh, the other thing is, you know, you don't know who might find your dog. You don't know if your dog's wearing its collar at the moment or if you're letting it kind of be natural. Uh, but yeah, you're going to want to make sure your dog doesn't run away. So that's going to include having a fence, giving them a microchip, putting them in a harness that's tied to a stick in the middle of the yard, things like that. Basic things to cover your bases. Step number two is going to be, you're going to want to feed your dog at least once a day, maybe three to four times, depending on your decision. A lot of dogs eat dry food. A lot of dogs are eating wet food now. It's kind of like the new Instagram trend is that you're giving your dog human food and that they're loving it. And if you want your dog to love you more and so that they don't run away, you're probably going to want to give them human food so that they're loving it. Another uh, little trick in regards to this step two part of this tips and tricks part is that if you give them some of the food that you're eating while you're eating your food, they're going to love you even more. Although that might generate bad manners, including whining, jumping on the table, and begging, it's going to be worth it in the end for the love. Step number three is going to be giving your dog a lot of pets and talking to them, sometimes in a silly voice or not. It's going to be up to your level of comfort in that relationship with your dog. If it's a small dog, maybe you can talk to it in a high voice. If it's a big dog, you want to kind of give it like a dog, a dog voice like that. So you're going to you're going to kind of figure out which kind of voice you want to have with your dog. And you're kind of going to have your dog develop its own voice as well. While you're doing that, you can pet its belly as well as its head. Sometimes dogs like an ear scratch behind the ears. And that sort of thing is all cool. You're going to have a great relationship with your dog. Well, that about does it before we get to the interview. But why don't we go ahead and take a few callers just to see, take the pulse of Make My Day Nation. Caller number one, you're on Make My Day. Hey, Marcus, it's me, Frank Delano, calling in from hey. Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Yeah. Trying to get a quick question about what do you do when your dog does run away? Oh. Because I'm kind of in that predicament oh, right now. Sorry. My little rover ran away, and I'm wondering yeah. where the heck to start. Uh-huh. I put up a couple of flyers, Good. but I don't even think I, I put, put a printed a picture on there, so oh, I don't know if wow. they're going to be able to ID this pup. Yeah. So I'm kind of freaking out. I'm having a hard time. Maybe you're making my day nation could keep an eye out for me uh-huh. thanks i'll hang up with listen yeah of course well frank sorry so much to hear about your little uh your little wolf bone getting lost uh i'm not sure how it happened i'm not saying it's your fault even uh but you got to keep an eye on that that little pup if you're going to make sure that you want to keep it in your life for a good long time the first thing i would say is go around and remove all those posters without pictures I don't even know if you added a description, but make sure you go back to the Kinkos, get a picture of your dog, print it on, use a color photo so that they know what kind of color the dog is, and and maybe even use a high gloss so they can get more of an idea of the texture of their coat so that they can have a better idea. Now, the next step would be include your phone number, uh, email, um, WhatsApp. Uh, I would say Facebook, Instagram, but that's not even working anymore as of yesterday, but they got it back online. So it's not a reliable service in terms of people being able to find dogs. I will say one other thing, maybe try this. This is a new thing that a lot of older people are starting to use, a lot of uh, homeowners, a lot of people who are involved in the neighborhood. And there's an app There's an app called Nextdoor, and you're going to want to use that to report any of your neighbor's weird behavior or also to find a dog. Thanks for the call. Caller number two. You're on Make My Day. Yeah. Hey, Marcus. It's me, hey. uh, Tina McMillan. Oh, hey. Yeah, I just... 
just heard your segment on how dogs can get lost mm-hmm. and stuff and how all the other steps that you have to have for dogs sure. and all yeah. that stuff. And I was just wondering, would a cat be a good alternative mm. option as instead mm. of a dog? Because I don't want to have to deal with all of that responsibility of having mm-hmm. a dog. And sure. all those steps sound really challenging to well, me. Yeah. And I was just wondering, would a cat be a good alternative uh, to a doggy instead? Mm-hmm. Great question. Uh, uh, thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Well, thanks, Tina. Yeah, that's a great question. The answer is a hard no. Uh, cats don't have the ability to give affection which is a really challenging uh, thing to make up in, in regards to the discrepancy between a dog and a cat. Uh, cats also have a little bit of an evil streak. They are originally associated with witches in the Salem Witch Trial. It's one of the reasons why all those ladies got in trouble. The, the, the townsfolk thought they were witches because they had all those dang cats around them. I would stay away from a cat. If you want to go down the cat road, yeah, give it a shot. I don't know. Uh, maybe look up some reviews on the internet. But yeah, personally, I don't have a lot of experience with cats other than them scratching the heck out of me. So yeah, I would be careful. Uh, I'm not sure it's a road you want to go down. It's a long commitment. They live like 30, 40 years, something crazy like that. And they're not always that nice. Uh, So thanks for the call. All right, everybody. Today we have Aaron Lemke, my friend, and the co-founder and chief creative officer at Wave. He's also a fantastic multi-instrumentalist and just an all-around good guy. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm good, Marcus. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, to be honest with you, our AC broke, so I've been kind of trying to figure that out today. I actually started trying to figure oh, it out. No. Try, try, started trying to figure it out last night uh, around 2 a.m. and uh, and I figured out that it wasn't getting better. And uh, so I just borrowed a window unit from a friend, and hopefully that that uh, will tide us over until we can get it repaired. At least nice, the, but it's this isn't a full power outage though, right? No, I heard no, no. there's ERCOT's having some issues again with the heat. Yeah, well, I was the first thing Laura was like, yeah, they're probably like governing our our uh, oh, thing. So could be related. I don't think it is because we don't have a smart thermostat. But I was like reading old articles that like in certain cities there are programs that you can opt into, um, where I think hmm. they do have like control to some degree of your thing. But at this point, it's like 80-something degrees in my house. I don't know if they're, that's their strategy. Oh, yeah. You've got that analog gear. Well, it's not. It's still digital. It's, uh, not, it's just not uh, Wi-Fi. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. How are you doing? You have AC? We have AC, yeah. I just got back from a wedding over the weekend. And mm. I took today off, so I've been relaxing. It's been, it's been nice. Setting up this new computer I just got, which is... Way faster than my old computer. What's, very excited. What are you going to use it for? Um, just fatty Ableton projects. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah, my <clears throat> my old computer was like for 2017, and it just CPU started crapping out on me, and huh. had to upgrade. Did you buy it new? Mm-hmm. That's a fast failure, I think. Four years. Yeah. I feel like you got to get it. I don't know. It depends on how hard you push the machine, but. Really? Is about it, every four years, I gotta get a a new MacBook upgraded. Maybe this is like a uh, like a psychological limit you place on your machines, and then they just <laughs> respond to it. I need at least as many plugins as make my computer crap out. <laughs> well, cool, man. So let's talk a little bit about what you've been up to in terms of Wave. Yeah. So uh, Wave is uh, is what exactly? Wave is a virtual entertainment company, mm-hmm. and we specialize in virtual concerts. So we 
do concerts inside of 3D worlds. We put the performers into motion capture suits and turn them into digital avatars where they can perform and they can interact um, with the world and with things that the audience contributes to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we live stream these out to our website where everybody receives the video stream, so an interactive layer on top. Uh, so people can buy different gifts or upgrades to the performer or the world, and uh, everybody watches the show and kind of builds it together in real time. Yeah, it's kind of I. Uh, it's kind of like super chats. I was watching one of the concerts, and you know how you like have you get to like pay to have your comment read by. Yeah, DJ. yeah, totally. Yeah, that's interesting, and it's come a long way. I was watching a video the. Uh, I was watching a video earlier from five years ago or something like that, and you weren't using uh, motion capture suits then, right? You're pretty much just using the VR uh, headset and the controllers. Kind of. That's right. Yeah, we used to be a, a VR only app. Yeah, where we had a community of people um, putting on shows and entertaining each other. We would put on shows as well and invite everybody to come. But but yeah, back then it was no mocap, no live streaming, really, um, just all VR. Oh wow! So it wasn't live streaming. So it was was it was recorded and then people would be able to watch it. Well, it was live, but um, we weren't as focused on streaming the video out to places like Twitch and YouTube and Facebook Live. Oh, okay. Yeah, so what's been going on with that? What are the new developments? Well, uh, the pandemic was an interesting twist for us um, because, you know, a little over a year ago, every touring artist in the world canceled their tours. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of them started hitting us up saying, you know, how can we do, what can we do now that we can't tour? And so yeah. the past year has been pretty crazy. We've done uh, some of our biggest shows ever. Um, we did a show at the weekend on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, about, yeah, that was about a year ago. We did a show with John Legend that we streamed on our own website and Twitch and YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, our, our, our most recent series is a partnership with Beatport focusing on uh, smaller and mid-tier DJs. That's it's really a it's like a it's like an experimental playground for us. We're testing out all kinds of crazy stuff each week, and um, it's less it's less about super high production value and crazy visuals like we did for for Weekend and John Legend. It's more focused on um, experimentation and interactivity. Well, yeah, the concert that I watched was really cool. Um, and so are the, the concerts generally free and people are coming in and sort of engaging with the artist by purchasing and like changes and, and influencing their performance? Yeah, we've tried both. Um, yeah. We've, uh, yeah, mainly recently we've been doing free concerts um, with purchasing and, and microtransactions throughout the show. But we did... Uh, in January, we did a show with Alice in Wonderland that was ticketed, and uh, yeah. so, you know, five dollars at the door. Everybody showed up and got to see their show. What does that mean at the door? Like, are they at home? At the virtual door, yeah. Um, virtual door at home, um, purchasing tickets through our website. And so, do you, do you think a lot of these people are engaging just on their computer monitors, or are they actually um, yeah in that in that system with like headsets too? 
or can they? Yeah, at this point, um, it's mainly mobile and laptops and desktop. Um, yeah. About a little less than a year ago, um, Google announced that they were shutting down this service called Google Poly, which is was an online uh, open repository for 3D models and tilt brush drawings. Tilt brush is like a 3D drawing tool for VR. And uh, okay. we kind of built our, we built all the, the user-generated content UGC tools in our VR app on top of Google Poly. And they announced they were going to stop supporting it. It basically meant we were going to have to rewrite our whole app. And so oh, wow. what we decided to do was was take the app down for the time being um, while we kind of test out this this live video, interactive video streaming stuff. The current concerts are not, you, can, you can't attend them in VR. They're, they're live stream only. Okay. But but could could you before or was it just the performer in VR? Yeah, before, yeah, before everybody was in VR, everyone could attend. Damn. So you could like go up to someone and like actually meet them and yeah. chat with them. Yeah, we did a show with with Imogen Heap, and mm-hmm. um, she was she was so cool. She just hung out after the show in the in the lobby and uh, in VR and and just answered questions for like an hour. Um, just just random fans walking up, telling her hi and asking questions. Do they? They're they're not interacting with like a microphone, are they? Or or is it yeah, chat? Yeah, everybody. Well, so that show was probably two years ago, over two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, that, so that was completely in the VR app. And so everybody was in VR together and were, was able to like see her and stand next to her and talk to her through the microphones on the VR headset. Wow. But how do you, how do you deal with the problem with like um, cacophony, you know, with like a bunch of people talking at once it's, or like how to... Yeah, that's interesting. Um I I don't know if it was kind of just the the golden days of VR back then when people <laughs> respected, you know, IRL norms or we just happened to get a really good group of people. Yeah. But um it wasn't a problem. I it was it was actually kind of a shock. Like people people did all the things that you normally do when you're, you know, having a conversation with wow, with someone who's famous. Maybe they were like so blown away that they were just behaving themselves. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, who knows? But but Imogen Heap has, she's like a goddess. You know, she's like this crazy audio genius goddess. And I think her fans revere her. You know, and 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 maybe that she has a less trolly fan base than than many artists out there. But there is also, I mean, it wasn't all just her fans. It was probably people who were interested in the tech that you were bringing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lots of, yeah. Lots of people. But I think we kind of got lucky on that one. That was, it was, yeah, like I said, it was, it was unexpected how well-behaved everyone was. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever think that you're, like, going to help usher in the Ready Player One universe? Yeah. I mean, we did a... <laughs> We did a partnership with, um, with Ready Player One, the film wow. when it came out. Let's see, when was that? Maybe 2018, um, where they did a big installation downtown during South by, and oh, nice. uh, we partnered with them to build out the distracted globe 
from the film, which is this like virtual nightclub 3d environment yeah. that shows up. And, uh, it was wild. I mean, oh, wow. we, we got actual film 3d assets from, uh, industrial light and magic. And, uh, Steven Spielberg actually had to personally sign off on all the work we did. So, um, oh, wow. towards the end of the project, he, he came in in VR and we sort of gave him a tour of the oh whole thing God. that we built. And, uh, it was made. I mean, he's the nicest guy. Like he, he sort of came in and was like, no notes looks great. You guys are cool. And, that's um, awesome. yeah, it was, it was kind of mind blowing. Cause it like wasn't until I saw him as one of our avatars in the virtual space and heard his voice where I was like, Oh my yeah. God, that's Steven Spielberg. That's actually him. <laughs> and uh, wow. yeah, it was very, it was a very memorable experience. That's crazy. So you pretty much brought the movie to life for people to enter into. Yeah. Yeah. And we had the, uh, yeah. at the installation for South by, we had a uh, Ty Sheridan, the star of the movie uh-huh. DJ, a set in VR in the distracted globe for everybody that was attending online. Anything planned for ready player two? Not yet. We haven't, uh, we haven't talked to them yet, but we'll yeah. see. Have you, have you read the book? No, I haven't checked it out yet, but I definitely will. Yeah. I love the first one. Yeah. I didn't read it. I just saw the movie, <laughs> but, uh, it totally seems like it's kind of going in that direction. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like a di- digital world with, uh, digital economy totally it's kind of kind of odd yeah what do you think about that in terms of like uh i mean there's cer- there's certain aspects of this whole thing as it emerges is like like people are going to be unhealthy with it almost inevitably right oh yeah i mean there were people who is were it- spending 12 hours a day in our vr app back in the day really yep um would you talk to them at all or are you just yeah you just noticed no, no. I mean, we saw it in the data and the analytics, and uh, yeah. a lot of them were part of our creator community. So they were actually okay. spending time in there building things for each other, um, which to me is just mm. so cool. I mean, that's anytime you have you give your community tools, you empower them to create. They're always gonna they're always gonna blow you away and create things that you never thought were possible. And uh, yeah, sh- yeah. Sure enough, that happened with us. Well, and to have that sort of organic. Um, um, was it, I guess it, I'm assuming it was voluntary, almost like contribution into your project is kind of yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ever since, um, I learned about the valve game team fortress two, did you ever play that game? I didn't, but I'm familiar. The big thing that they did, um, was they, they allowed their community to create and upload hats for their characters in game. And they create a marketplace okay. where it was easy for them to buy and sell the hats, have uh-huh. limited numbers of the ha- certain hats, so they could be sort of limited goods. And uh, mm. they did. They just built this simple tool set, and there's an explosion of of creation and value, cre- you know, content creation and value creation for all these users. To where you know people were making decent money, um, good enough to where they could quit their jobs in some cases and just full time <laughs> make hats instead of PF2. That's so weird. They're just like literal hats. Yeah, they're just they're they purely cosmetic or something, or or what? They can be. You can uh, you can choose how many of them to sort of mint. 
Um, mm. Or you can just say, yeah, this is, there's no scarcity. This is unlimited quantity. People can buy as many as they want. Well, I feel like this inevitably kind of bleeds into the crypto world. Yeah. Conversation. Yeah. I just said the word mint. How are you feeling about that ecosystem and how, like, and how it might uh, weave into your world? It's interesting. Um, I mean, NFTs, so NFTs are non fungible tokens. Mm-hmm. They sort of, they sort of went through the hype, the typical tech hype cycle a few months ago. Um, and there was all this interest in them and, uh, and they, it, it kind of changed the art world, the, the fine art world in a, in a really deep way. Uh, this, yeah. this guy, Mike Winkleman, AKA Beeple, um, sold a collection of digital works that he's created over the past 10 years and uh, ended up making something like $70 million, which was completely unheard of for digital art. I mean, most of digital art is free all the time, right? So on Instagram or whatever. Um, Uh So to see that was really encouraging. And uh, Mike, the people is one of our advisors actually. And uh, Oh really? Yeah. So he has, he has a lot of interesting thoughts on the whole um, phenomenon, but um, you know, I think I think it. Like I said, it's, it's a typical tech hype cycle where they had this huge, you know, this huge peak of interest right when it came out, yeah. and <clears throat> right now we're sort of seeing it settle a little bit, and people are realizing, okay, maybe it's not as as crazy as everybody thought it was, and I, I think there's still a place for it. Some of the most interesting ones to me were uh, things that digital works that people sold that gave you sort of real world superpowers or they had a, huh. they had a real world benefit. So for example, this guy, Jacob Collier, who's a incredible multi-instrumentalist singer, songwriter, just music theory genius. Um, he auctioned off just some images of his, his logic sessions with, you know, he's got hundreds of tracks in there and they're all colored and organized nicely. And so they actually create kind of a, a beautiful work of art in their own right. Um, but if you were zoomed out, yeah, yeah. Very zoomed out. Everything is very small, but if you were the owner of one of these and people could buy and sell these, you know, after the initial purchase, by the way. So if you were the current owner of one of these, um, you got, you, you got a few, backstage passes to his actual physical shows and so Mm. to me that was really unique and 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 new the idea that you can be the the owner of a piece of digital art but you got real world benefits from it and um yeah yeah to me that that's really interesting and i think that's definitely going to be around um that's going to stick around but you know this this more speculative approach to buying and selling digital art I mean, there'll always be a, a market for it, but I don't think it's nearly as big as people initially thought. Well, that, I mean, that was a fairly obvious bubble, you know, right. I mean, it's, it's like settling itself out. It's like the Dogecoin hype, you know, <laughs> um, people are like not understanding certain aspects of these counter cyclical effects. It's like everyone's learning about cryptocurrencies. So people are getting in. And that might inflate the price uh, higher than it should be, but long term, you know, it is very legitimate and interesting. Um, yeah. So that 
there's all these like sort of uh, corrections that happen as we start to understand. I mean, like we can go back to like the dot com era, the bubble there. It's not like, oh yeah, the internet's dead. There's no way this is gonna work. You know? Right. It just had to settle. Um, yeah. Totally. I, I guess that's people like kind of abandoning the, all right, I'm going to get rich off of this completely insane market right now because everything's just going up, you know? Right, yeah. And I'm, I've referenced a few times the uh, the hype cycle, the technology hype cycle. And this yeah. is a, there's a great Wikipedia page on it, but it's, uh, it's, it's this curve of interest over time that hmm. pretty much holds true with any new technology. So, um, you know, it happened with NFTs recently. It happened with VR uh, maybe five years ago. Um, that's when that's when it peaked. But uh, but all these things garner huge interest right at the beginning. Everybody gets excited about them. The the, yeah. the, the values of the companies that are in the space get highly inflated. Um, and then th- mm-hmm. and then think there's a settling period um, before before things actually go up again and then plateau. So how do companies? How how would a company like yours um, approach almost an inevitable like you know lull before it really goes up again? Yeah, I mean, I think the key is strike while the iron's hot, mm-hmm. um, and then hunker down so you can weather the storm. And yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think Wave has has played it pretty well so far. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that the fact that Google can pull out, you know, the rug from under all, like all your tech and then you'd end up doing better is a pretty big win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other key thing in, in uh, startup land. It's just agility and, yeah. and being clairvoyant enough to, to kind of see when things are changing and how they're going to change. And Yeah, they used to say pivot a lot. Pivot. Pivot is a word that people say a lot. In the yeah. startup land, and uh, yeah, ex- it's exactly it. You gotta, you know, head on a swivel at all times. You gotta be ready to adapt. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like you're doing a good job with that. Um, I guess w- one other thing I wanted to talk about before uh, maybe we wrap it up. Um, I've, you know, to be honest with everybody, I've only used VR a couple times, and I'm pretty sure the majority of them were around you. Um, what is it that makes it so convincing to our minds that we're in another reality? Is there any sort of insight on that? Have people done studies uh, why it's so convincing? Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just kind of, I found it sort of um, surprisingly effective. Yeah, I mean, um, I studied psychology in college and learned a lot about the human perceptual system and uh, every Every psych 101 class starts with, you know, visual illusions. It's just, it's just a fun place mm. to start to dig into psychology of uh, the perceptual system being very easy to fool, uh, which, which it is. It relies on heuristics, so kind of like, sort of like best guesses at uh, okay. how, to in- how to interpret the input that's coming in. And, uh, yeah. and that's exactly what VR capitalizes on or takes advantage of is the ability to trick the visual system into thinking it's in a real place. And so it's comes down to a couple of things. Um, stereoscopy. So the fact that it's 3d, you know, you're getting a different image to each eye. It's just yeah. like a 3d film. You're, you're 
your brain thinks it's actually seeing 3D environments and can can uh, make out things at different depths in the world. Um, then the, the head tracking is a big part of it. So mm. you move your head around in VR, the image is updating to show you what you would be looking at um, in in the real world. So it's it's kind of the, those two things together, I think, are the, the core of the trick, as it were. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, if you if you if you've ever done it, it's pretty powerful. Even with these, yeah. what I would call pretty rudimentary early VR headsets that we're still that are still on the market right now, we haven't quite yeah. got to the point where we can fully trick the brain, but it's kind of good enough to do really interesting things with it. And yeah. the, at the end of the day, what you're able to do is transport someone's consciousness into something else, into another place, into another person, and uh, if you think about it from that angle. Things get really interesting, and I, I think you know this is we're still very early days in in VR and exploring what humans can do with it and and what things we can learn from each other using it. But uh, I forget who it is, but, but one of the early VR, VR pioneers referred to it as an empathy machine, uh, which I think is a great phrase because that's really what it is. It lets you literally step inside someone else's shoes and see the world from their angle. Yeah. And also sort of, um, in order for it to be able to pull off that perception, that perceptual illusion, like it needs to understand how you see the world too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of a creepier bit, but the more we develop technology, the more we're teaching technology, how we work, you know, we, we, we kind of think we're engineering it, but um, mm-hmm. we're really just over time showing it more of what we want and how we work. I mean, you, th- you think about social media and how it's really, they've just gotten really good at gaming um, human emotion and engagement. Um, yeah. it's, it's kind of terrifying, actually. I think VR in some ways is a lot more a lot less nefarious because when you're in it, you're fully in it and you're, they're showing you the trick in some ways. Um, whereas, you know, scrolling Instagram or, or Facebook all day and kind of getting your emotions manipulated in order to, to get you to do certain things or buy certain things. Um, it's, it's not as obvious that it's happening. And I think that's really dangerous. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it depends on what sort of VR experience is being used because on its own, reading something isn't like a nefarious medium. So like VR doesn't have to necessarily be a nefarious medium. But if the, the program is like some some sort of like traumatic experience that someone goes through or something that uh, affects someone in a way, it could probably just, you know, it could probably also be, uh, you know, nefarious. But for sure, not, for sure. Not to, no, yeah, no, I agree. Be. I think the... Big difference for me is the uh, the sort of sneaky casualness of using Instagram on your phone, right? Which is just something you can do anywhere. You're on the bus. Oh yeah. You're walking around outside. Uh, whereas VR is a much more intentional and immersive experience that you you really know you're getting into. That you throw on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but the the other thing is that I mean that that also is going to become a a less expensive um, in multiple ways like experience to engage in. You know, like in terms of people's ability to tap into that experience for sure. Yeah, um, especially once we get to yeah, whenever they're craving it. Yeah, especially once we get to Neuralink. what they call augmented reality. Well, Neuralink is the next next step. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, but but augmented reality is. The idea that you're just wearing a pair of glasses. You're still seeing the physical world, but we're overlaying... Or contact lenses. Yeah, we're contact lenses, yeah. But we're overlaying digital elements on top of that. And so that mm-hmm. gets into that more casual, kind of potentially scary space where you don't always know when you're interfacing with... Real or not real. Or I guess maybe like genuine and not genuine. Or like <laughs> something that wants to do, do get something out of you or not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we're talking about Neuralink, it's sort of like all bets are off. Um, <laughs> I think. Oh yeah. I think neural interface is a technology that humans better be really careful with, um, or else it could it could be even worse than <laughs> where we are now with social media, which is not great, frankly. Oh, I mean, I think almost inevitably it has to be worse. Um, just because, like, right now you you can take put your phone down, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, where I, where I get hope is that I believe humans are learning a valuable set of lessons about technology and the internet and how easy it is to manipulate uh, our emotions and our feelings. To where there's a generation of new entrepreneurs and technologists that are growing up, sort of seeing. Mark Zuckerberg as the devil, you know, and I think that's yeah. that's a really good thing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's absolutely insane how we see these threats and um, and these protectors, if you will, kind of rise up almost simultaneously. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a uh, good and evil always going going. Uh, Hand-to-hand combat. Right. <laughs> and the people on the evil side don't always know that they're doing evil. But oh, yeah. They've, they've gone into it so aggressively that they've, they've kind of made a mess of things <laughs> and taught us some lessons we, uh, we needed to learn that we maybe didn't think we were going to learn when we got into it. Yeah, there's something about um, stumbling around and like making mistakes. It's like the only way you can learn how to not make a bigger mistake. Yeah. You know? I mean... For a long time, Facebook's motto was move fast and break things. And, yeah. uh, you know, they did. They moved fast. They moved fast. They broke American democracy and a few other things. <laughs> and we're still living and, with the fallout. And Google's was don't be evil. And then they got rid of that, right? Right, yeah. And again, yeah, I don't like, think these, that, these people yeah, aren't intentionally going out and trying to screw us all over. It's just the power. I don't think... I. I feel like the creators, the people who are leading like innovation generally aren't. I think as soon as the tool is available and people start to get creative around how they can use the tool, I think there are certainly evil people who are who are interested in wielding that power. Right, for sure. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, why don't we put a, a uh, pin in it for now? Okay. Um, but I really appreciate having you on. Um, this was a good conversation. Yeah. It was, thanks for having me on. We always have good conversations, Marcus. I agree, man.
Aaron Lemke, everybody. All right, everybody, that's going to about have to do it for today's episode of Make My Day. As you might want to fact check part of that interview, uh, some of it, that actually the interview was recorded during the summer. Yeah, that's true. And that's why we had a heat wave. Obviously, there's not a heat wave going on except for that one song that everyone's listened to called Heat Wave. Anyway, thanks a bunch for listening. I'll catch you guys soon, and I hope you have a good day. Make sure to use promo code MAKEMYDAY at BlazerTag and see if they know what you're talking about. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Wake up in the morning, make your two sloppy eggs. Find a piece of cheese and put it on some bread. Have a cup of joe, and the next thing that you know, it's time for you to hit the road. Make my day. I like it in the morning. They're always going to blow you away and create things that you never thought were possible.